Welcome to this week's podcast, The Tower Pod from St. Mary's Marston Mortain with Lidlington. A message from the Gospel and a thoughtful sermon each week. Do subscribe and also like and review on your chosen platform and share with your friends. Thank you and God bless. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Now large crowds were travelling with him and he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or, what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot... Then, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So, therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure heap. They throw it away. Let anyone with ears to hear, listen. Let's pray. Let the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts bring us closer to you, O Lord. Now the words of Jesus from today's Gospel have always been considered among the hard sayings of Jesus, the hard sayings. And on the surface it seems that Jesus is going out of his way to actually put people off, to put off people becoming disciples, not to encourage them. If you don't give up all your possessions, you can't be my disciple. It doesn't sound exactly like a prosperity gospel message, does it? In this passage, Jesus chose five images, and he used each one to teach a lesson about discipleship. So let's go through them, the five. First, he says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother his wife and children, etc. Yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now the word for hate here is a Semitic word, which means loving less. There are other contexts in scripture where it means that. So Jesus doesn't really want us to literally hate our families. Um, there are plenty of scriptures that make that clear. I won't list them, I'll just mention the fifth commandment, honour your father and your mother. In Matthew 10, he says, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So just to come into that, for most of us, that tough choice may never happen. And loving and following Jesus will simply mean loving our families even more with his love. But for others, it is a stark reality. A few years ago, a Muslim friend came to know Christ and he was baptized. She was, sorry. 
It was a tough decision for her because she knew the moment that she became a Christian, her family would disown her and consider her to be dead. And she chose to follow Jesus. They're now uh, reconciled, actually, which is lovely, but it took a number of years. The second hard saying, Jesus says, And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, at the time Jesus was teaching, the idea of the cross wasn't metaphorical. It was literal. It wasn't like we might say today, Oh, I get headaches, you know, it's a cross I've got to bear. It wasn't like that. I personally think that to be willing to pick up your cross is to accept what the cross was when Jesus taught about it. Injustice in the form of persecution. In Jesus' time, he was thinking that it would come from the government. The Romans were the ones who crucified people. And from the religious type authorities of the time. The Jewish religious leaders, the Pharisees with all their restrictive laws and regulations. What might be like that today? We have to ask that question. Some argue that um, in terms of the religious authorities, it could be the so-called woke movement, that it's essentially a religious movement in its nature. For example, we did away with blasphemy laws in this country some time ago. There's a new kind of blasphemy now, arguably worse than the old law. And it's against a kind of, it's against free speech, really. It's not necessarily written down anywhere, but we all know, without me saying, the kind of thing that you could say at work, or in sport, or in the media, which would get you cancelled or lose your job. In terms of government, who knows, we've, uh, it could be the... Um, Uh, I won't call it the cost of living crisis. I'll call it the cost of lockdown crisis. Maybe the imposition of that without any cost-benefit analysis in terms of finance or in terms of the terrible human cost of relationships and the rest that follows. Third, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? Very relevant to our village once upon a time, wasn't it? Do we have the inner resources, the strength? Probably not. Certainly not in our own strength. But if you decide, then God will do the rest. Jesus is saying, be realistic about being his disciple. It's going to cost you. Consider it. Don't just jump in. I'm the kind that would jump in, so I need to hear this teaching. Christians have to be those who say, I've started, so I'll finish. Our mission to save people and advance the kingdom of God is just too important for anything less. Paul reassures us in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, he says, You can be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Jesus' fourth image now. Suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he first not sit down and consider whether he can manage with 10,000 to have a victory over 20? 
Now being a follower of Jesus is going into a spiritual war. You're coming out from, from under having the devil and the world as your king, those systems, to taking Jesus as your king and advancing his kingdom. I'd like to say the church is not a cruise ship. We're not in a cruise ship here. It's a warship. There's work to be done. And we need all hands on deck. Jesus' fifth image, finally. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's, it's not fit. It has to be thrown out. Now, in the time of Jesus, salt was a preservative as well as a food flavor. And because they didn't have any fridges, they used salt on meat and fish. Like salt, we must come in contact with our culture to stop decay. As salt, our job is to preserve the goodness that still exists in the culture and to speak prophetically and work to challenge the evils of our day, some of which I've mentioned earlier. If we don't speak out against moral evil, we lose our saltiness, and then you know we're good for nothing, aren't we? It's been said that for evil to succeed, all that's necessary is for good men to do nothing. I'm using men in an inclusive way there. Now, that kind of political activity is something that people don't always associate with being Christian. And we can often get criticized for it. You know, they say, stick to the church, you know, what you're good at, prayer or whatever. And it's not necessarily going to make us popular with those around us. It was the same for Jesus, that's all I can say. So Jesus' message isn't an easy or a comfortable one, is it? But don't let that put you off. It's a really challenging, exciting, revolutionary one. There is no better revolution out there, no better cause that you could join and give your heart to. We admire people who give their lives and spend their all on great adventures. Those who travel to the North Pole, those who climb K2, or those who make waves against injustice, like, say, Martin Luther King. I was once talking to a young woman in, um, in Jerusalem, and she was working with the kind of Palestinian revolutionary thing, non-violent. And I said, well, don't you feel it's kind of dangerous sometimes? She said, yes, Andrew, but being edgy, you know, is what makes our faith attractive. Jesus calls us to just such an adventure, to a yes that recognizes from beginning to end that Jesus is worth absolutely everything. The hymn we're going to sing in a moment, How Sweet the Name of Jesus, says, Jesus, my shepherd, brother, friend, my prophet, priest, and king, my Lord, my life, my way, my end. Amen.